So, are you ready for some serious shenanigans? Welcome to BV Nation Radio with Jada and Carl. Yes, here we are once again on a lovely February evening. Welcome again to another edition of BV Nation Radio. My name is J-Dub, your host, with my co-host Carl. Yo, what's going on everybody? Oh, there he is. <laughs> Josh is slipping tonight. And our producer, the high-tech redneck himself, good old Josh. The high-tech Good evening, J-Dub. Yes, coming at you live from the Cowboy Technology Studios right here in Oregon City, Oregon, end of the Oregon Trail. So again, welcome to another lovely evening. It is February 25th, 2018. 8 o'clock out here on the West Coast, 8.04 to be exact. So before we carry on with our show, we got a full plate for you guys lined up this evening, let me tell you. So anyhow, before we carry on with that, here is a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, Bulldog here. I realize that you have plenty of options when it comes to veteran apparel, but the only way you're going to truly know which one you like and which one feels best for you is if you check them all out. So I'm asking you, go to threatcon5clothing.com and check out our wide variety of hats, hoodies, stickers, and of course t-shirts. That's www.threatcon5clothing.com. American made, combat veteran approved. Don't forget, wear the grenade. J-Dub here from BB Nation Radio to speak with you about our friends over at Warrior Point. Warrior Point is a nonprofit organization focused on bringing veterans together to help service members from all branches and all areas of service to help rebuild the camaraderie forged between service members during their time in the military. And Warrior Point strives to accomplish their mission just like you do during your time of service. There's no fees to join and it's 100% free. So log on to warriorpointwithane.org. And become one of the uncommon few. Why does it always take the hard times to get people back together again? But I believe in America. I believe in America. One nation under God, still proud and strong. Thank you again to our sponsors over there, Warrior Point, Warrior Point with an E.org, as well as our buddies Bulldog and AKA Chad over there at threatcom5clothing.com. I uh, want to give a couple shout outs right quick to our Facebook family that's sharing and uh, following along this evening over there, friends over at 0230. Booney Call, as well as our good buddy Dakota Potter over at Dakota Potter Comedy as well as the rest of the fans and friends of Backwoods Veterans and many, many more. Thank you very much, guys. We cannot do without you, as well as our host network, uh, good old Vet Radio Syndicate, a.k.a. VRS. So if you folks want to call in tonight, our call-in line is 541-904-0399. Again, that call-in number, if you want to join in on the conversation, is 541 541- 904 
We got our Skype line going uh, this evening as well, and you can go ahead and hit us up at j-dub at vrs, or you can send us an email, and we'll be responding to those as well at bwveterans at gmail.com. That is bwveterans at gmail.com. Or you can chat with us live on the Spreaker app from your phone or laptop or whatever you're uh, following us on this evening. So... Yeah, where the heck you at, Inga? Come on. Uh, she hasn't checked in yet, so... She's, she's usually the first one, too. Yeah, I, I know. know. She, she hasn't even said, damn it, Carl, or nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing. So, also, I uh, want to let you guys know, if you want to go ahead onto our Facebook page at BB Nation Radio, uh, go ahead and check us out there, as well as our homepage of Backwoods Veterans. Uh, we have up our T-shirts and hoodies that are still available. Our pre-sale has been extended through tomorrow Tomorrow's the last day to get your shirts ordered, and that is it. They will be discontinued. Then everything will go into production and be on its way out the door once it is done this coming week. So thank you, Chad, for getting us hooked up. So T-shirts are $24. That is both the men's and the women's. And in the women's, we also have the regular tees for you ladies as well as the V-cut. Yes. Mm. Mm -hmm. And the hoodies, yes. They are they are very nice. So I got mine ordered and everything else. I know Josh, you got yours done. Oh yeah. Oh oh. We what? Have, we have our first uh, damn it, Carl. Ah, uh, Inga. Nope. No. Nope. Erica. Actually, it's your Erica. old lady. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, as you were gonna say, what? I got mine. No, not yet. I'm well, going what, to. Well, what the hell? What's stopping? <sighs> really? Yeah. That little green thing in my wallet still hasn't hit yet, huh? No. God damn, Carl. God damn. Anyhow, so, yep, like I said, last day of the sale is tomorrow, February 26th, so go online to threatcom5clothing.com and get yours now. Or you can also hit us up on, hit the link up on Backwoods Veterans as well as BB Nation Radio. So the links are up there and they will send you to chat over at threatcom5clothing and they'll get you hooked up. So, moving on, Carl. God, we've had a hell of a last two days. Man. <laughs> oh! <sighs> yes. Yes, you have, amigo. It has been uh, quite eventful. I know you have right. one. You one made the dummy of the week. Yeah, I know. I'm, uh, I well, might catch a lot of crap for it. Imagine but... that Carl made the dummy of the week. Well, Carl uh-huh. himself did not make dummy of the <laughs> I week. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go on. Yes, go yeah, on. Go on. Mm-hmm. But uh, Carl himself did not make Dummy of the Week. Oh. However, a, a news story that just came out that he has oh, a man. very, very high, credible other side to the story that is untold. And it's uh, it's a doozy. I, it is a doozy. I, I think technically the, the very first line, the very first sentence in the in that particular article actually is about Carl. No, it's what? not. Yes, yes, it is. Bull. Bring it up. Okay. Shit. Bring it up. See, right there. Oh, See? it is. See, I was right. It is about yeah. you. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, all well, about Carl. It is. It is uh, but we'll we'll discuss that here. When I'm we... definitely going to catch some backlash from that, but I really don't care. Well, you know. You hey. know what's funny though? Here's a cool thing about it: is that we have one local news network that's already talked about it. Yeah, and then I got that lady hitting me up now who wants an entire interview. Have, and now you have. Another news station that's wanting to hit you up on it, and we're getting the exclusive. Oh my god, that's right! You're that is first here. Awesome, on. right here. Yeah. You'll hear it first, right here on <laughs> BB Nation Radio. That's awesome, that's dude. Awesome. 
That is pretty cool. Oh, so. my God. Somebody else read the story. I'll tell the story after that. How about that? I'm right. just going to sit over here and go like this. So, moving on. What did, what did you guys think of the uh, the Olympics this year? Did you guys get a chance to catch any of it? What What Olympics? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All I know is I heard that the drone entrance was like one of a kind and, and very extremely cool. And then the whole glove thing. And that's about it. Hmm. Well, yeah. I know the Americans, we came in fourth in the medal count overall. Ooh. Dude, the women's hockey team. Whoa, yeah, I watched that game. Team. I did watch that game at the bar the Free other where night. Where they crushed freaking Canada, eh, yeah. in the shootout. Yeah. Eh? Yes. <laughs> First of all, I didn't know we had a women's hockey team. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, dude. We I guess, had one for a while. Yeah, I figured they were right up there with the Jamaican bobsled team. So, you know. <laughs> Are you dead, man? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> what are we going to call it? Tolula. Tolula. <laughs> why, why did you call it Tolula? That was my mother's name. Oh, that's a very lovely name. Yes. <laughs> Great movie. Great movie. But yeah, so we came in fourth in the middle count. Not bad. So, no, not bad at all. Not bad at all. And for the first time ever, the USA men's curling team. Oh, We took the gold. Woo! We beat out the Swedes. Yay. The Swedes, eh? Hey. <laughs> no, no, I got a, uh, uh, somebody shared something to me the other day on Facebook. Yeah, what's that? Uh, I think it was yesterday, and uh, but it was the redneck curling. Did you see that one? Oh, yes. <laughs> Actually, uh, we have uh, Little Miss uh, Mariah. Oh, your got other my, half. Got yeah. my other half that wound up uh, sharing that. Okay, okay, could, okay so I didn't, where it came I didn't see it, but oh, what did they use as the curling deal? Freaking. Uh, a well, turkey? <laughs> Actually, no, we'll say it's a cow pie. Oh, no. <laughs> they took a freaking stick and stuck it into a frozen cow pie, and they're out behind this dairy barn, and they got one guy who's sitting there freaking sweeping away with a broom on the ice just like they do during the curling, and one guy pushing it with a broom because the cow pie won't slide across the freaking ice all that well. Oh, yeah, yeah, here it is. I'm going to get my official pusher. Yeah, oh, he's using a screwdriver. My bad. <laughs> I don't know how many you folks can hear it. You gotta push it with your hand. You gotta get down. You gotta get down. You gotta get down. These guys, screwdriver. You gotta get up there with your broom, then. Screwdriver and a cow pie. Screwdriver and a frozen cow pie over a sheet of ice. Oh, jeez. Here we go. That's a shit puck. There they go. Ready, go. Boy, that sweeper's horrible. Oh, there he goes. We need a better piece of shit <laughs> oh man so yeah so this is what i think josh should go ahead and post up on the uh on the page that way if you guys want to check it out you can see it. it's hilarious there you go oh my god it's good <coughs> it is good so with that being said hey oh yeah so speaking of the olympics we're just gonna go ahead and jump right into our uh our breaking news. Mm. Da, 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 da. Yeah, we don't have a newsreel deal. Noted. Never read the title. U.S. South Korea to go ahead with joint war games after the Olympics. Well, 
The Olympics, Justin? Oh, from War Games. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Come on. I, I was on it with something there. Yeah. Oh, so at least had something ready to go. So that was such a good movie. This story is brought to us by Military.com. Military.com. Let's go ahead and scroll down and see what the story says, my friend. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The U.S. and South Korea will go ahead with joint military drills after the Paralympics. Both of them confirmed Tuesday, despite the exercises always infuriating Pyongyang and the Olympics having a driven, oh, having driven a reprochment on the peninsula. Oh, damn, Hans Briggs, you're busting my balls. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're breaking my ball here. Yes. yes. You'll, be all right. You'll be all right, Kim Jong. Just saying. <laughs> You'll be okay. Washington previously agreed to a request from Seoul to delay the key resolve and full eagle exercises, which usually begin in late February or early March until after the Pyeongchang Games in, in uh, South Korea to try to avoid stroking tensions. Stoking or stroking? I almost said stroking there for yeah, a second. Yeah, I, was yeah. like, I was wondering. Ooh, ooh that would have <laughs> been what bad. Do you, yeah, what are you doing over there? <laughs> Nothing we're going to talk about on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> This is a family-friendly show, okay? That's marked explicit. It right. Happens. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> shenanigans, I tell you, shenanigans. Oh, oh, you set me up, too. You set me up. Oh, oh, oh. I swear to God, I'll pistol-whip the next guy that says shenanigans. Hey, Farva, what's the name of that restaurant you like with all the goofy shit on the walls and the mozzarella sticks? Oh, you mean shenanigans? No. Oh. <laughs> shenanigans, right? <laughs> I totally set you off on that one too, and you totally oh dropped the ball. That's twice tonight, dude. Uh oh. You know, it, trying to do all these different things at once. So I know, right? What can I say? Hey, now that you've uh, uh, you've done a little upgrading here. Yeah, I know, right? You, you've done a little upgrading. You, <coughs> you got a Dell. I did get a Dell. Yeah. So, so yeah, this last week I went out and Aww. bought a new laptop finally, and I gave the hand me down, or at least passed off the my old HP over to. Uh, to Carl for using in studio. When so, I'm using it. Yeah. <laughs> Which right now is sitting closed. you just like, whatever. I'm just chilling on the casting couch doing my thing, whatever. Yeah, waiting. I'm an Android kind of guy anyways. <laughs> <laughs> right? They have matching. Well, they're not matching. One's probably better than the other, but they have Dells. Hell yeah. Now they can frolic off into the sunset and poo rainbows and look at unicorns. I don't know. What's Something that? funny. You know what? Don't even just, dude, my man. You know I'm, what? I'm a little weirded out from the rest of these last 24 you know hours. What? Okay, leave me alone. Hey, I, I haven't th- said it in so long. I have not said this uh, since it. our very first show. Do it. Shut <laughs> the fuck up, Carl. Get the fuck out. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Anyway, moving on with the story. So, so this is a really long story. Just why? Well, either way. So, yeah, the uh, joint exercise is going to carry on despite what North Korea thinks or what they want to believe. So they'll be okay. So they'll buff out. So, yeah, in reading through the uh, the articles and a few different ones that were uh, associated to this, they've got a whole bunch of drones that they're going to be sending over and all that to, uh, you know, pretty much have a you know big dick deal with, uh, you know, Kim Jong-un and all that. And oh, geez. Give them a little intimidation and whatnot and you know, <laughs> show them how they're not afraid of him and you know, that sort of thing, I guess. So. Well, he should be used to that by now, just saying. So, let's see. Oh, we got Raymond Trueblood checking in. Nice. Welcome to the show, my friend. All righty. Moving on. 
Moving along. Next topic. Oh, oh man, yeah. So we actually were going to talk about this last week. Yeah, we we. Uh, but we totally got sidetracked with a bunch of other stuff. We had all three of us had ooh squirrel shiny moment, you know. It's and just, the show went so. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, it's it, nice. It was all check. Yeah. <laughs> check right along, man, and uh, yeah. Yeah, it was one of those. So anyhow, moving on. So California is talking about splitting into three states. So it says here that it's talking about seceding from the U.S., but it's not, after further research on the story, they're not actually talking about seceding from the union. They just want to break the state down into three separate states. There's actually multiple different movements going on. So there's a movement that's been going on to try to get California to secede from the U.S., because that's the, not going to fly. Uh-uh. Well, of course not. But, you know, here's the thing. Do you know how many different times they've actually tried to get uh, California uh, either, you know, partitioned up or, you know, secession from the U.S. or anything like that? A ton. I was going to say a lot. Back, starting back in like the 1850s. Right. Yeah. But now, I mean, now it's gotten to the point to where they're... You know, they have the population and they actually have the movement to actually do, you know, not just publicly, but they also have the backing in their state legislature to actually put something like this on the docket. And I guess apparently it's up for vote this year. So, you know, it's actually on the ballot. You know, in 1855, they had the uh, state assemblies uh, support too. it actually went went all the way through there. So they want to break it up into three different states? Yes, three different states. You're going to have Northern Cali, which is pretty much going to be everything from the Bay Area north. And then you're going to have uh, pretty much New California, which is going to stretch all the way from the Bay Area uh, along along the Pacific Coast down to, like, San Diego and Mm -hmm. L.A. and all that area down there. And then the rest is going to be... Bringing some other California or something like that. So that's weird. I mean, it, it's kind of weird California. if you take a yeah South California. If you take a look at the map that they actually have set up for it, it mm-hmm. actually. I tell you what, you does know, it lay out well? It lays out okay, but I they basically separate the coastal cities. Hmm. They pretty much separate the coastal cities off, and then they make a northern and a southern for everything else. Yeah, different. It, it is going to be different. But I tell you what, though, it in a way it kind of makes sense with how they're doing it. Or how they want to do it, because mm-hmm. if you take a look at the actual demographic of California itself, right? I mean, it's insane because you got you got a lot of uh, a lot of blue <laughs> along that coast, which makes up you know three quarters of the population, right, of that state. But you get outside those major you know metro areas, you know, like San Francisco, you know, Sacramento, you know, all the way down to L.A. San. Uh, Bakersfield, well, Baker, Bakersfield is a little bit more conservative than what, like, L.A. or San Diego and that stuff is. I don't know. I spent some bad time in Bakersfield. Right. It, it was it was okay. The people are actually talking to me. That's what I'm saying. Dude. Yeah. They're a little bit more conservative down there than what they are. You know, they're not as... And then you get the ones blue. in Redding. It's blue. And you get the ones in Redding that are all, like, hiding in their holes waiting for the end of the universe. Like right. my folks. Like my mom. <laughs> so, so yeah, so there, there's been several different, uh, like I said, several different movements uh, down there. Um, one of them here a few years ago wanted to divide California into six different states. Really? Um, also, uh, Jefferson County 
Oregon uh, actually has had a movement to try to combine with uh, the northern part of California and make it called the state of Jefferson. How the hell would that work? We're considering the fact that Jefferson County is in the middle of the state. What? Well, that's what Because Jefferson County is like, that's like Bend. Uh, maybe I have the wrong county name, but anyways, there was a southern county that was that was like that. Are you talking what? like Klamath or Malheur or Union or? Off the oh, never mind. Union is farther north. That's like John yeah, Bay. That's out oh, eighty four, isn't it? Uh, that's crazy though. But Why yeah. would they want to do that? Makes sense. I mean, <laughs> they actually had a bunch of support to uh, to do it back in the nineteen uh, forties, uh, but then World War Two happened. Yep, that kind of put things <laughs> on the back burner in the meantime. Kind of went it. Gone. Yep, that that's being pulled off the docket. We got more important shit to worry about, like oh, I don't know, a war effort. Uh huh. So, but everybody, yeah. pots and pans, right? So, going to our chat check in here. We got. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Inga finally checked in. Hi, Inga. Hi, guys. Waving. Taco Josh, maker. Yeah. <laughs> Josh Cooper checking in. Mariah, Miss Scow. She says, uh, "Josh, you're quiet." Shh. Yeah, shh. Very, very quiet. Baby seeping. And then, oh, oh, our buddy Aaron. Hi, Aaron. The freaking off-course adventurer himself. Right on. Yeah. Hey, he, buddy. He's checking in. He's like, what's up, bitches? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We're still on the air. What are you doing? Oh. And, and by the way, bam, the, bam, the bam. only bitches are on the casting couch, so just saying. That's hey. why we have a casting couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Girl, girls like both you guys, number one. Yeah. Number one. Inga says, uh, shut the fuck up, Carl. I'm eating the tacos. <laughs> I know she's eating tacos. She always does that shit to me. Which, by the way, <sighs> thank you. I, I have to give a special shout out to Inga tonight. Because last night, I went up to, I was making an Ikea run, getting a new mattress for my bed and stuff over the house and whatnot. And I'm I'm away running from the main store over to their warehouse up there off of uh uh ah oh, damn it was that Alderman Cascades or Cascades Parkway. Well, no, that's where the oh, main Alderwood. store. Yeah, Alderwood. Yeah, Alderwood. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, and on the way between the main store to the warehouse, our friend Anna calls. She calls me up, and she's in a freaking panic. Because she's trying to get Miss Inga to go out with her and our friend Crystal to go out for a girls' weekend this next month. And she, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Regan, and it was just like, you need to call Inga. You need to talk to her. You need to fix this. I'm like, oh, man, here we go. I'm like, you know what? Don't drag me in the middle of this drama. I want nothing doing. Y'all got to figure this shit out on your own. She was like, well, well, how how am I going to do this? I was like, you know what you need to do? You need to go over there. You need to pin her down. Tell her dad that you're going to be watching the kids this weekend. This particular weekend. And then, uh, yeah. What the hell? Uh, Aaron wants us to tell Carl that uh, he hates his face. Oh, well, I love you too, Aaron. <laughs> we need to go back to McMinimins and have another brew. Right. 
He, uh, Aaron That's apparently actually... did not catch our uh, previous episodes uh, discussing your return from King of the Hammers. Oh, yeah. So uh, he was asking if you went. So, uh, oh, Aaron, yeah. Aaron, you need to go back and listen to those uh, last couple episodes yes. where we uh, We came, that. we saw, we tried to conquer. That's how it went. Yeah, We're try just... to conquer. Hey, 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 hey. Come hey, on. You fir- know what, First dude? timer. You know what, dude? But the thing, out of all the rigs that went, only what fifteen overall? No, and all the out of ninety nine out of ninety nine rigs out of the forty six hundred class, only two made it to the forty six hundred class. Okay, um, that's one class. But we said <laughs> overall. Overall, I think it was like nineteen. I think yeah. that made it the forty five hundred in the forty eight hundred class. I think is yeah. It, it, so anyhow. it was gnarly. Yep. So if you want to find out more about that, there, Mister Aaron, go back and listen to our last two episodes here on Speaker App, and you can get all the. Info, Info right there. So, yeah, that's a California thing. Is a yeah. interesting, uh, interesting ordeal. So, uh, one thing I want to talk about right quick before we wind up going talk about our sponsors once again and dummy of the week. Uh, I actually put. Uh, by the way, I failed a third time. Sorry to interrupt you. What you do? Uh, I, I had the you know the California sound clip too that I completely missed out on. <sighs> I know. Man. I know Just what? hit it. Just I hit it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, yeah, Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually put up a link. I just have to find it again here. It was actually a story that I put up here on our... Was this the uh, uh, carrying? Yes, the it was. The yeah. one that was uh, mm-hmm. issued by the Army Times, actually. Yes, yes. So that is right here. Where is it? I know. I'm grabbing it. Oh, you're bringing it up on, yeah, on the, the big screen? That All I will. Right. That was, put it on the big screen. That way screen. Carl knows what we're talking about. Big boy. And put it on the big screen. Do me, do me, do. Quick, Carl, do, do the jig. Do the jig. Mm-mm-mm. I can't do it. I got I got crap in front of me. <laughs> Carl's trying to do the shenanigator dance. It's not working. No, because there's a spring here, and he gets mad at me every time I hit it. Ha-ha, <laughs> it's your turn to fight with the spring. Oh, I'm getting a fight with it. All right. So. Carl, that kills people. Kind of like leaving wait. the door open on the studio. Hey. Oh, God. You're the last one in the studio and left the door swinging wide open. Yep. Freaking cold outside. God. <sighs> Anyhow. We're swinging just fine. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mean a thing without that swing. <laughs> That's that old radio talk right there. That's the old CB talk. Anyhow, so moving along, Military Times reports via Pentagon and Congress. Trump, President Trump hits at allowing more troops to carry personal weapons on military bases. I don't know how I feel about this one. So go ahead, scroll up, please, I'm sir. All right. Washington President Donald Trump on Friday said he would re-examine federal policies restricting troops from carrying private firearms on military bases, calling it an important safety issue. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. <laughs> but Defense Department leaders have in the past resisted widespread changes to those firearms policies because of concerns that can lead to more accidental shootings and successful suicides. The comments from the commander-in-chief came during a speech to the annual uh, Conservative Political Action Conference, also known as CPAC, while he was talking about possible solutions to gun violence in America. We're going to look at the whole military-based gun-free zone, he said. If we can't have our military holding guns, it's pretty bad. We had a number of instances on military bases, you know that. 
So we want to protect our military. We want to make our military stronger and better than it has ever before. Trump specifically referenced the July 2015 shooting spree at a pair of military facilities in Chattanooga, Tennessee, in which a gunman killed four Marines and a sailor in a series of ambushes. The attacker was later killed in a firefight with police. They were on a military base in a gun-free zone, Trump said. (laughs) They were asked to check their guns (laughs) quite far away, and a maniac walked in, guns blazing, killed all five of them. He wouldn't have had a chance if these world-class marksmen had on military base, access to their guns. <sighs> yeah. Whoa. Honestly, <laughs> I see where he's coming from, but those instances, like in Chattanooga and shit, that he's talking about, the Marines were at a damn recruiting station. Here's the thing. Anybody that spent any decent amount of time in the military and spent time around recruiters, <laughs> i.e. everybody, knows... Guess what? Recruiters, they don't get weapons. They're not assigned any because it's recruiting duty. But I I see where he's kind of coming from. Mm -hmm. And that sailor was at a Navy depot. Really? Was at a reserve installation. Yeah. Hmm. So. So here's the thing, though. So we talked, you know, a few weeks ago uh, about the whole deal down at Rylea. And uh, here at the coast here in Oregon. Right. And we talked about uh, how there was that shooting that uh, happened over there in the barracks and all that. Right. Which was with a personal weapon. Yeah. So, you know, if Wardy having those kind of incidents and all that doesn't make sense to, you know, let them have those weapons. Right. Well, I mean, in those areas. I mean, well, you're going to have access to weapons anyhow when you're in a line unit. So. I mean, the thing about it is, is I I get where the president's coming from, you know, because I get it. You know, sure. you're in the military, you've been trained, you know how to handle a weapon, you know, whether it's a long rifle or a sidearm or whatever. But isn't that under supervision? I mean, isn't that under orders or, or whatever, right? Well, so, so just like when you guys, you know, go out on the range and all that, you've right. got to go and, and, you know, you know police your brass and all that and well yeah and you have that. safeties you got a range in coic oic so you know you have your so safeties out point. there you have all these different safety programs that are right. in place for that but when you deploy you don't have that Understood. and the thing is you know when you go down range you know it's you're carrying your weapon with you 24 mm-hmm. 7 and so you you become accustomed to it now do i believe that everybody on post should be carrying Honestly, no. So is and this kind of like the it, teachers in schools carrying as ooh. like far as some of them carry versus You know some what? In all honesty, if they have their if they have the training and they have their concealed carry permit, I have no issues with it. None. None not whatsoever. whatsoever. No. Nope. Maybe maybe this should be, you know, something similar to that. Now if and that's what I'm saying, you know, if a service member has their permit, then by all means. Yeah. You know, but, you know, it's I can see where the ups and the downs would be with this. Because, yes, it does give the soldier another tool. It does give the service member another tool for if they do decide to travel down that dark path, which I pray to God they never, ever do. Absolutely not. Nope. What the hell? It's called a radio show. No, I, I, I get that. But yeah. Something popped up on my... Whoa. 
on my screen. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were sitting on Carl's lap or something. I was going to say that erected quickly. Dude, what? <laughs> <laughs> it is the casting couch. It is. It is. <laughs> That's Don't why you you're it. sitting on it, and I'm sitting over here. <laughs> okay? Not on the couch. But I'm making the money. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyhow, back to our topic. But, you know, I... Oh, my God. Carl, quit looking at me with hungry eyes. I know it's been a while since you've had some hands and faces, dude. But... <laughs> I'm getting hungry, too. <laughs> He's got a case of the rumblies. Mm, not only faces could can. Oh, my God. So, anyhow. No, I mean, it, it's another tool that the service member could use. But that's also something if, you know, I think it should be like an E5 and above. Or let me rephrase that, an NCO, NCO okay. or above, which could okay. be, you know, E4 corporal or higher. Sure. And anything like e, E1 through E3, that should be MET-TC, basically situation dependent, situation and duty assignment dependent, whether or not they should be allowed to have their personal sidearm with them. Right. So, because, you know, as an NCO, you've had the training, you yep. have the responsibility, you have that intuitiveness to know how not to be dumb not saying you possess the desire (laughs) (laughs) because trust me even as an e5 you still like (laughs) oh man you you, i know some e5s have done some dumb private shit damn so do you Yes, I have two. <laughs> I have two, and I'm a freaking six. Uh, you know? When you were a five. Oh, shit. That's besides the point. That was only once in a while. He was drunk and walking through the forest like last week. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nope, I'm not a lieutenant commander. Just saying. <laughs> I'm not a lieutenant commander. Oh, man. I would have been a master chief going, uh, sir, no, we're just going to, we're going to, yeah, yeah we're going to get this guy out of here away from everybody. But seriously, though, I mean, I, I can see it preventing another, like, a Fort Hood incident. Oh, yeah. Like what we had in two thousand November 2009 down there at Fort Hood. Absolutely. You know, hey, if you got someone out there that's, you know, going batshit, you know, he's done flip the coop, and he's out there screaming Aloha snack bar or whatever, trying to take as many <laughs> as he can. Aloha snack bar. <laughs> You know, I'm sorry. I want. I don't want to sit back and wait for the damn MPs to show up. Nope. Be able to take care of the per, the situation. You know, and right thinking, there. You know, at that point in time, you're on a military installation. Guess what, dude? That's game on. That's wartime. Go ahead. Make my day. Exactly. You know, I don't care. You know, it's exactly what it is, dude. You're it. Then becomes a combat situation. You're a soldier in a combat situation, and you have no firearm with you. That's yeah. That's bad juju right there. Mm-hmm. That's bad juju. So, I would be... Aaron, Aaron says, uh, I don't know. I knew some pretty dipshit NCOs. Which, yeah. Yeah, we all do. We all do. I know Aaron had his fair share. <laughs> we serving together. So, uh, speaking of which, speaking of serving together and NCOs, Aaron, I don't know if you heard the news yet. Uh, I don't want to freaking drop this bomb but i will say this uh those of us here at backwoods veterans and bv nation radio our thoughts and prayers go out to the robert black family uh staff sergeant retired 
United States Marine Corps and U.S. Army National Guard here out of Oregon. Uh, he passed away here a couple days ago uh, yeah. from sudden kidney and liver failure. Jeez. So, yeah, uh, he was a very, uh, very huge advocate for veterans. He worked tirelessly with the uh, Oregon City VFW post number 1324, which mm-hmm. is also a post I'm a member of. So, you know, our our hearts go out to that family. Man, that's... So, lost a good man here the other day. So... Yeah, it's hard to hear that. Yeah. Yep. So, moving what, on. Was that what your uh, buddy was calling about the other day when we were doing... Working here in the studio? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So... Yep. Yeah. Just want to give a quick shout out to the family and all our fellow brothers and sisters in arms that served with him. You know, he he was he was one of the good ones. Sad to see him go. So couldn't have happened to a better guy either. Yeah. So one what one of my favorite memories of that dude though was uh so in two thousand eight, Aaron I know remembers this one because he was in he was in uh Robert's platoon. Mm-hmm. Robert Black was his platoon sergeant at the time. And we're down at Gowan Field, Idaho. We're out, you know, we're out orchard training area and everything. We're going through a big XCTC exercise before we deployed to Iraq in 2009. And uh, for like, there was like almost a week stretch, like, you know, five to seven days straight, where every morning at 0530, reconnaissance and security platoon will be out back behind the sleep tent. <laughs> and you hear the generators and everything else going. All of a sudden, you hear the entire platoon. You hear Black Robert Black sound off with platoon attention. The whole goddamn platoon. Don't shit the shower. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Wake up at five thirty. You hear that? It's like, well, no shit, dummy. Who the? I don't want to know. Dinner was full. Yeah, sure was full, Clark. <laughs> so you decided to use the shower. I don't. Oh man. Uh, yeah. So no, he's a classic dude. Very classic dude. I remember, too, uh, this last uh, December when uh, Ryan and I, we went to our battalion's uh, dining out, and we had it at the Oregon City Elks Lodge, and... You remember it? Vaguely. Okay, just checking. Well, I remember the party itself. The The after party, still kind of blurry. Was, still kind of blurry, still kind of fuzzy. Wasn't that your uh, your uh, karaoke night we talked about a couple weeks ago? The karaoke night? No, it wasn't the karaoke night, but yes, there was a karaoke karaoke night, yeah, where I was doing Foreigner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, was the okay. same night. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, <laughs> but anyhow, so Robert was there. He was uh, was there as a rep for our VFW post, and he was trying to get people signed up and everything else and whatnot. You know, he, he wasn't pushing the envelope, but, you know, it's cool because our VFW post actually adopted our company as a... Uh, what the fuck? You two are just like bah, 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 pointing at each other, dude. Can you hear it? No, I can't hear it. Scroll yeah. moment, dude. Yeah, apparently. Keep going. So, <laughs> but anyhow, so one of the things that he was handing out, he was actually handing out these uh, twenty millimeter rounds, <laughs> dumbing out freaking twenty millimeter rounds, same <laughs> rounds that they use for the damn uh, for the eight tens. Why? Because it was it was like a gift. Oh, okay for trying to help people get interested in VFW and people that actually right. spend time downrange, he would... Oh, my bad. I didn't do it. Wasn't I me. smacked the, <laughs> smacked the mic cord. At least I'm not taking the spring this week. Don't do it, Carl. <laughs> but I actually... Mariah and I each got one. 
Nice. So we got a pair of them, and we actually have them set up uh, in our dining room. There you go. And stuff, you know, just kind of like a little memento from that night. But now, since you know, now since we lost him, that's kind of a memento for him. Right. So nice. He was a, he was a good dude, man. Miss that guy. So he's definitely gonna be missed. So anyhow, we are almost. Well, actually, shit. We're about quarter till now. 8.43. So, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and uh, give a quick uh, 15 seconds of fame over to our sponsors. Give them their, their moment. Hey, Bulldog here. I realize that you have plenty of options when it comes to veteran apparel, but the only way you're going to truly know which one you like and which one feels best for you is if you check them all out. So I'm asking you, go to threatcon5clothing.com and check out our wide variety of hats, hoodies, stickers, and, of course, T-shirts. That's www.threatcon5clothing.com. American-made, combat veteran-approved. And don't forget, wear the grenade. J-Dub here from BB Nation Radio to speak with you about our friends over at Warrior Point. Warrior Point is a nonprofit organization focused on bringing veterans together to help service members from all branches and all areas of service to help rebuild the camaraderie forged between service members during their time in the military. And Warrior Point strives to accomplish their mission just like you do during your time of service. There's no fees to join, and it's 100% free. So log on to warriorpointwithane.org. And become one of the uncommon few. Why does it always take the hard times to get people back together again? But I believe in America. I believe in America. One nation under God, still proud and strong. All right. Thank you again to our sponsors over there, warriorpoint.org, as well as Threatcom 5 Clothing. Thank you guys very much. So, we're just going to go ahead and jump right on into it now for our Dummy of the Week. I'll spell it for you. D-U-M-M-Y. Shut up, dummy. You big dummy. For every man, there's a woman. And for every dummy, there's a dummy. Dummy. All right, so we did have one new story lined up for our Dummy of the Week that we actually talked about during pre-production here earlier in the week. However, like we talked about earlier in the show, Carl, his experience that he had last night? Last night. Yes, it actually made the news, and with the shit that went down, we oh could God. not help but make this our dummy. I mean, the end result is a sad result because somebody did lose their life in it, but... And my sincerest apologies to the family. Right. I apologize, but this is just... Oh, man, I don't, I don't yeah. understand. We, we kind of have... We, we couldn't help but put this one in that position, so... Absolutely. Normally, I cover the story for Dummy of the Week, but this week, oh, no. Carl, this is all you, brother. You want me to read the one that they have up there? Or you want me to yeah, tell you go, my side of it first? 
go ahead and read the story first, and then after that, go ahead and tell your side of the story. Oh, man. Gladstone, Oregon. They call about a uh, possible drunk driver uh, turned into a police chase that ended in a fiery crash in the middle of Gladstone neighborhood Saturday night. Um, Justin, drop your mic just a little bit so I can see, <laughs> would you? that better? Much better. All right. Officers responded to, or a, uh, according to a news release and an ordeal uh, stated around 9.45 when the police received a phone call about a possible drunk driver to pull in. Uh, to He was pulling people over in the park, basically. I wonder um, who called that in. Uh, dude, I... Look, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're all right. You're no, having not. a hell of a time reading uh, this story. I am having a hard time because I'm so on the fence about this. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and read the rest <sighs> of the story. According to a news release, the ordeal started around 9.45 p.m. When police received a call about a possible drunk driver attempting to pull people over in his own vehicle <sighs> near Meldrum Bar Park. Officers responded and pulled the vehicle over near Southeast McLaughlin Boulevard and Glen Echo Avenue. They say they talked with the suspect when he drove off heading north on nearby River Road. Officers followed and say less than a half mile away, the driver went off the road and hit a tree. Quote, it was a big crash, said Kathy Warmington, who lives across the street. I mean, it shook the house. Neighbors, including several kids, came running. I thought it was like a bomb or something, said nine-year-old Aspen Myers. Why does that name sound familiar? It does sound familiar. (laughs) Anyhow, the crash happened in her front yard. It was very scary because it's so close to our house at an 11-year-old Juana Altawil. Sorry if we ruined that name. Yeah, no kidding. Who was watching television next door. <coughs> Photos and videos taken by neighbors show much of the front passenger side of the truck was smashed in by the impact. So I think, Josh, you're going to post up the video or the, the link for the news story on our page. Yep. All right. Neighbors say police who had been following the driver were on scene immediately and tried to get him out, but people watched in horror as the truck caught fire. Honestly, I can't rest because I couldn't help this person, said Harry Aljoff, who lives next door. He said he ran toward the truck, hoping, uh, hoping to pull the driver out, but officers told him to stay back because it wasn't safe. Well, no shit. The truck's on fire. Duh. Sunday morning, Aljoff said he still hadn't slept. I feel I'm inhumane, he said. Or, yeah, inhumane, he said. I have feelings inside. I feel like I didn't help. I didn't save this person. The medical examiner has yet to release an official cause of death, and the Clackamas County Sheriff's Office is handling the investigation. For now, neighbors are left with horrific memories and a tree that bears scars of a wreck that proved fatal. That was someone's son, brother, father, husband, said Warmington. It was a life. All lives are important. Explain what happened, Carl. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So last night we decided that we were going to have this little mini meetup for Rattle Cans. Just kind of something to get everybody out of the house. And this guy, he like comes, pops up out of nowhere, red Dodge Dakota pickup. And it said on the back tailgate, I remember big white letters that said text or don't, don't text and die or something like that. I don't know. I'm sure someone that's there will say something about it on, on the check in there. But, um. The guy got out, and, like, the group was really remorse, you know. He came over to us, and he said that he lost his daughter, and it was some years ago, and he'll never stop looking for her. Dude was obviously drunk. I mean, hammered, stammered, slurring his words. Shmammered. Shmammered. Um, God, and he got in the car, and he just started driving around the park, chasing people down, stopping them, trying to get out. Then he blocked my buddy Randy in at Dole Beach. Okay? The road runs... uh, it's he was facing north on the outgoing lane towards the river uh 
and Randy is got his hands. When I showed up, Randy has his hands out the window. And my buddy Josh Cooper, uh, he's like a couple of ways down the road, and he's he's listening to everything that's going across the CB radio. I'm on the phone with dispatch. The dude's standing there presenting a weapon in his coat. And we're wait, like, wait, wait. like he actually had one on him. Like he he had his hand in there and he had it around something. So I don't know exactly. You know that from what I remember seeing, that was it. Oh, it was text and die. Thank you, honey. Um, yeah, that, that's that was on the back of his ironic, huh? Right. <laughs> so anyway, <coughs> we ended up freaking. I ended up hauling ass down the road. I get to my friend Randy. He's got his hands out the window, the dome light in. The guy is screaming at my friend Randy, telling him, I've got a gun and you've got my daughter. I've got a gun and you've got my daughter. This is where it gets nutty. Okay, this is where it gets nutty. This squirrel shit. All right? All right. I pull in. I I back up and I broadside the truck to me just in case dude had pistol. Mine was right there in the door. We were ready to go. I look at Randy. I'm all, dude, just go. Just go. Fast. Go. And we started hauling ass down the road. I don't know how many car lengths. Well, he's about three or four car lengths behind me. Just tearing down that road. And then I guess, you know, I'm on the phone with dispatch and they're like, oh, oh, just sit up at the text and go, okay, we got a gun at, a guy who says he's got a gun at large. You think I'm just going to sit one freaking spot? Right. So I'm listening to dispatch tell me about it. And then the officer calls me and he's like, hey, yeah, okay, um, yeah, uh, 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 how long are you going to wait there? I'm like, what are you talking about? I just told you the entire story. You want me to wait here? And he goes, yeah. Fast. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, uh, well, how long do you think it's going to be? And so he says, oh, I don't know, probably about 20 minutes. 45 minutes later, shows up. And the first words out of my mouth, and I felt like shit after saying it too. The first words out of my mouth was, you know, an officer, that guy's not here in squirrel shit. And he goes, and the way he put it to me, man, it really hit. He's like, God, he's dead now. I was like, oh, crap. So... It was, I don't know, I might catch some backlash for that one, but it's definitely, you know, don't drink and drive. Please, please. Right. Don't. And that is in it. I mean, the guy came to us twice, and he was stammering the whole time, back and forth. It's it's terrible. This is awful, Carl. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then I was was quiet the whole way home. I think I was on the, I think I talked to Anton on the way home. Go on. And then I sat in the truck pretty much the entire time just silent for the most part go on <laughs> we pulled into the driveway and i just sat there go on and then i got hungry for faces and hands <laughs> all right fair enough so there it is folks you heard it first right here on bv nation radio live on vrs you actually have one so we had one local news agency already post a story that's where we got the story from yeah. And then you've actually had another one trying I've to get you. Oh, you've had two different I've local two stations now trying, that to, is get trying to get a hold of me to find out what exactly happened that night. For a full on interview. So you heard it first. Yeah. yeah. We got exclusive. <laughs> got exclusive right here in the right here in the studio. Boom. Uh mind blown. Yes. So anyhow, so normally we do this. Uh Okay, well, Albert's checking in. You're doing music requests. We already got our music lined up, Albert. Phone ringer was off. Yeah, I've been trying to get a hold of you on Skype, brother, but that's all right. We'll give you a shout back here again here shortly. 
And Aaron checks in. Night news. Carl hit me up on Facebook for that beer. You got it, brother. There you go, man. We'll see you soon, man. So, alrighty. So with that, we're going to go ahead and cut into our music break. And when we get back, we will go ahead and be picking up with our outdoor portion with very special guest and Mr. <laughs> Sam Squatch, <laughs> researcher, Mr. Todd Neese. So we will be back. Loud thunder, heavy rain, thin line between joy and pain. It's a long, strange trip, it's all insane. You ain't never gonna be the same. Living life through the night, thin line of a lightning strike. Sometimes the only light when the moon is tucked away, pistons pumping, minds are racing. It's hard to sleep, man, when I'm shaking. Bad news surrounds me. It's always found me. Creeping up when things are good. Yeah, the dark days find a way. Loud thunder, heavy rain. Thin line between joy and pain. It's a long, strange trip. It's all insane. You ain't never gonna be the same. Sometimes the only light When the moon is tucked away The camera captures All the things that Make us turn from What we see It's always rolling It don't stop rolling I haven't slept in three damn days Yeah, but who needs that anyway?
right, everybody. That was good old Cody Jinx with Loud and Heavy. I love that jam, dude. That one's so awesome. That's, that's a pretty, pretty good one. Good. It is. I like that one. I heard that one on iHeartRadio here the other day. I was like, dude, that's yeah, my yeah, new yeah. jam. So, all right, moving into our outdoor portion of the show this week. Want to go ahead and welcome onto the show our special guest and good friend of mine, Mr. Todd Neese. Mr. Neese, how are we doing tonight, buddy? Oh, that's Staff Sergeant Neese to you, buddy. Oh, oh, hey, hey, that goes two directions there, brother. <laughs> I'm doing great. Out- Outstanding. Yeah, glad to have you, dude. So, uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your organization, man. What you got? Well, uh, my wife and I are co-founders of the American Primate Conservancy, which is a nonprofit uh, research group looking into the Bigfoot phenomenon. And uh, together we've been doing this for, wow, well, uh, over 30 years. Wow, so it sounds like you guys got some, uh, definitely some good field experience in the uh, in the field of it then. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're, uh, we're constantly out in, out in the woods, and uh, if we're uh, not doing something locally, we, uh, on occasion, do some uh, fairly major expeditions in the Pacific Northwest. Gotcha. Now, I know, and uh, we kind of had a little questionnaire set up that we sent you here here the other day, and, you know, looking through some of the pictures and whatnot, I saw that you actually had that, uh, uh, what is that, a picture of that? vessel that you actually had set up for was that operation team sea monkey uh yeah operation sea monkey was our last major expedition um kind of a euphemistic name of uh based on the fact that we we decided to try something completely uh unconventional when it comes to this research and that was to um to try to uh approach this from a nautical perspective we uh we uh contracted a 50-foot trawler uh the Clonawa out of uh Campbell River British Columbia off of uh, Vancouver Island and we traveled I think over 140 miles up into uh an area called the Broughton Archipelago which is over 90 uninhabited islands between the mainland of British Columbia and the northern coast of Vancouver Island Gotcha. And, yeah. Now you had said something in your uh, in our pre-show production uh, stuff that we actually talked about in the questionnaire that we sent out to you. Now you guys said that you had another uh, expedition coming up up that way. You want to tell us a little bit about that? We do. Um, we plan to do a second phase of this in late September, and uh, the reason we choose that time is uh, due to the. Uh, the clam tides coming into season up there. We worked with a uh, uh, First Nations bush guide that actually lived up on one of those islands for many years. And uh, there's just been a ton of reports coming out of those areas. And in fact, when the clam tides come into season, um, Tom Seawood, our bush guide, says this is when our people go out there. Um, when the water's cool and the dioxin dies off and we can eat these clams and harvest them, that the, the the bears will go out, the grizzly and the blacks will go out and dig them up as well as uh, as the Sasquatch or Bigfoot. And uh, there are just scores of reports out of that area 
And gotcha. so um, the first trip up was more of a expeditionary recon, if you will, to, to look at the viability of the area. I've actually got a team up there right now that is, uh, as we speak, uh, heading into those islands. Um, they've got forward-looking infrared as well as uh, uh, a helicopter that's working along with them. And so, yeah, we're looking forward to getting back up there. Nice. So this is more of a research expedition. I mean, it's more just to, you know, confirm the actual existence. Because I imagine you guys probably get a lot of uh, uh, a lot of people that, how can I put it, a lot of pessimists about it? People that a lot don't really? A lot of pessimists? Well, skeptics, skepticism. Or, uh, yeah, skeptics, well, excuse we, me. Well, we, we, uh, we actually... Um, think that's a healthy thing as long as it's done constructively um uh i have to say that you're talking to probably one of the biggest skeptics uh you've ever met um that was up until april 3rd of 1993 when this skeptic uh had a rather uh, uh epic moment if you will um an epiphany that changed my mind. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I was looking, uh, looking at some stuff here, and you said something that you had your first uh, first Bigfoot experience actually back. What was it? Ninety three. From what you were saying, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Kind of the abridged yeah, version. Um, yeah. So April. It was actually during a military exercise. It was April third of of uh 93 um i know you're familiar with the 1249th combat engineers right uh at that time i was a uh e5 sergeant uh, squad leader and uh once a year we'd go up into the coast range to do some uh rather large uh explosive screening i'll say doing demo uh the demo yeah. range up there just outside of seaside yeah, well, it's not a demo range per se. Uh, what it was is the there's a, a timber uh, company that owns uh, a huge tract of land uh, just east of Seaside. Right. And uh, they would allow us to go in there and access these rock quarries or gravel quarries that they had on their sites. We had three different places, three different quarries that we were doing different types of explosives. And we had gotten to the last... Um, exercise which was a cratering charge and we lit the fuses and as you know per sop we get in our convoy and and uh get the heck out of there and uh get down to a safety area where we could wait for the explosion and go back and check our work right and it was as we were convoying down to this staging area that i sat as a passenger behind the driver in a humvee and uh, it was a decent day for April from the coast range. And right. I had the window rolled down. And I'm uh, having hunted that area extensively for deer and elk. I'm looking about the countryside, naturally just looking for any kind of wildlife. And uh, it got a little more than I bargained for. Uh, we rounded this corner where the second blast site, the one we had uh, detonated maybe an hour before, came in the clear view. And as it did, I, I'm looking at these three jet black figures standing out in the quarry out in the open uh across this ravine uh standing shoulder to shoulder facing our convoy and, and obviously observing us as we're uh descending the hillside uh, across the ravine and and uh, you know at first thought i'm like what the hell are those people doing there and then 
really, I didn't even get to finish the thought because I realized almost immediately I wasn't looking at people at all. And, uh, yeah, so I I saw these three creatures for a total of about 25 seconds. And it doesn't sound like a long time, but it's it's an eternity when you're looking at what I saw. Right, especially once the adrenaline and stuff gets pumping. You know, that, that 25 seconds seems like it's forever yeah, and, and and what made this even more interesting is once we got down to the staging area, I kind of jogged back up the roadways hoping to get another uh, view of them. Um, and as I'm standing there kind of looking off into the distance, uh, another soldier approached me, seeing that I was gazing off to the distance there, and uh, I hear Sergeant Martin go, hey, niece. And I look over, I go, yeah, and he goes, what are you what are you looking at? And I said, nothing. And he came up right up to me and uh, kind of looked over both his shoulders to make sure nobody else was in earshot. And he goes, I don't suppose you saw what I saw down at that second blast site. I'm not going to be a fool. So I said, I don't know, Jeff, what do you see? And so there was two of you that seen it then. That's when he said, yeah, uh, I saw three jet black hair covered, Bigfoot. Wow. So you had any other reports and stuff coming out of the same area then from other oh, people that yeah. may have so, seen it? Oh, yes. You know, I, I, I have a obviously a strong connection with the coast range sightings, and we have had uh, just scores of them coming out of all up and down the, the Oregon coast, well into Washington and Northern California as well. Gotcha. So most of your research focuses primarily on the on the West Coast then versus, you know, out throughout the rest of the country. Or do you, do you work with any other organizations or anyone, you know, throughout the rest of the country or what's up? Yeah, we're affiliated with a, a number of different groups. Uh, the Olympic Project, uh, which obviously is up in the Olympic National Park uh, in northern Washington. Uh, as far as cross country, we're affiliated with the group in Florida, actually. They have uh, some similar creature over there that they refer to as a skunk ape. Um, but I've done uh, I've done some research mostly in the Pacific Northwest. Gotcha. Yeah, I was talking with uh, with some buddies of mine. Uh, they actually host a show here on VRS as well uh, with my buddy Albert and Chris. They run a show called uh, Tinfoil Vets. Uh, I actually spoke with them here. <clears throat> they had me as a guest on their show on Tuesday night. And I told them that you were coming on, and those guys were pretty excited about it. They're like, oh, man, and trying to get a hold of them are here earlier, but haven't had much success with trying to get them on the line. So I don't know if they got tied up with some or what, because I know, especially Albert. Albert's just like, I think I heard of this guy before. And Chris said they have something similar to what uh, we have out here on the Pacific Northwest. Uh, What was it, Josh, he called them? Uh, the big muddy monster or something like that back there in Illinois or some shit like that. Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what he called them, but something right along those lines. Yeah. So I mean, it's weird because you get you know different parts of the country they call them different things, but I mean, essentially, if you think about it, it's more or less along the lines of being the same creature, I guess. I mean, I imagine yeah, there's got to be some got, genetic makeups, but yeah, Ohio's got the grass man. Uh, Arkansas has the folk monster, which the Legend of Boggy Creek was a uh, movie was made uh, about. Uh, Missouri has Momo. You know, there's just a number of across the country, and I've I've been to a lot of those places, but I I, I mainly focus on the Pacific Northwest. Gotcha. Now, didn't hear what was it? 
a year or two ago or something like that, you actually worked with the guys uh, of that program, Finding Bigfoot. And you do some uh, work with those guys before as well. I think uh, from some past conversations you and I have had in person, because uh, you and well, I both no. are down there with him. I think you said something about that. Well, no, I, I I know all those guys personally, with the exception of uh, the Renee, the female Bobo, and Matt Moneymaker and Cliff Berkman. Uh, I know quite well. Cliff actually lives just uh, outside of Portland. Uh, actually, just bought a place outside of Sandy. Oh wow! Um, we're all good friends. I I have not been on their show. I'll, I will say this: it's kind of funny. When I was back in uh, Iraq in uh, 2010, I was doing night security. And knowing that it was daytime back home, well, I, I started dialing for dollars, calling friends, you know how it is. And I got patched through to Cliff Berkman. Uh, and this was before the That's show ever to go on came that. on. Going to next and, uh, going to Cliff Berkman. And to go into the uh, forest. Cliff, uh, Cliff told me at that time in 2010, yeah, there's a show they want me to, to participate in. And lo and behold, it was uh, Finding Bigfoot. And they, they went on for five seasons. Yeah, I actually used to be a was a pretty big fan of that show, you know, because I mean it. it uh, you know, I try to look at things objectively. You know, I, I listen to what people have to say, or even through my own experiences. You know, I try to look at things open mindedly, but you know, factually and objectively, I kind of kind of use you know as a comparison. You know, kind of like Renee's point of view. You know, if there's some there, I want to see evidence of it. You know, but if it's something that I see with my own two eyes, you know, and I know what I see, then absolutely, yeah. You know, even though well. I may not have any physical evidence of it, you know, just like with, you know, with the experience you had, and I'm not going to lie, you know, I myself, I'm a believer. I'm a believer in that guy. Well, I, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. What, I, 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 it just amazes me how... 25 seconds of, of my entire existence on this planet literally changed the direction of my life. Oh, absolutely. We about this a little bit. You know, I can't unsee what I saw, and I make no apologies. Uh, oh, absolutely uh, not. You shouldn't just, have uh, to. Well, it's just, uh, it. I, I can't take credit for it either. I mean, it's just a matter of right place, right time. Right. You know, it's almost like a lottery, but... Uh, being that as it may, uh, we've been looking ever since, and for me, it's been 25 years. And uh, you know, yep. whether I'll ever see him again, I don't know. I've been close on a few occasions. I've only seen him once, but uh, in '98, I did an expedition up on Saddle Mountain, and I got almost too close. Uh, I had one uh, one let loose a horrifically loud screaming roar um, from very close range. Oh wow! I, I didn't see it, but I'll tell you what, I've jumped out of perfectly good working airplanes and been shot at and uh, <laughs> right. swam with sharks. I mean, you name it, I've never been. But something like that, it, just, it raises a hair up on the back of your neck. I mean, almost every oh, hair Lord. in your body just stands straight up. I mean, when I, when I, I was 16, move. you know, I'm not going to lie, when I was 16, I actually had an experience. And my, co- my younger cousin, Jeremy, can attest to this because he was with me when it happened. And, well, once when I was younger, when I was about 13, 14, I actually went through an area, I mean, just a smell, you know, 
and everything else is just like you know the smell the eeriness the stillness i mean because even out in the timber you know up in the woods up here in the pacific northwest you know especially down there in the coast because i was actually uh just outside manzanita and it was up there what they call god's valley area oh i know it well and it was up there elk hunting and i mean it's just the woods up there they have a certain feel to them and even in the middle of fall they do and it's just everything was way more still than what it usually is and i heard some off of the brush and i it it was almost like that musty wet dog smell mm-hmm. just you know but just really really like a wet dog and like four day old foot funk you know is the best yeah. way to describe it so you mean how carl smelvin got out of the jeep today here oh yeah studio? yeah god you guys <laughs> Yeah, but these anyhow, things are, are these things are known to have a pretty putrid smell to them. Yeah, hey. and you know, like I said, a couple of years later, you know, and I caught a brief glimpse of some what I wasn't sure, but you know, my dad's told me stories about it from him being out in the woods hunting and coming across them, as well as some of the guy, some of the other guys that we've that I grew up hunting with. Uh, there was that. There's also. Uh, my younger cousin Jeremy, like I was saying, a couple of years after I had my experience, uh, we went actually up to go track down an elk that he and I had, that my dad had put down the night before, and we had to go back in the next morning to go after because we ran out of light. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and in the frost and the mud, because you know how the the clay out here on the coast, when, it's weird because when it gets to a certain temperature and goes to chill, it actually crystallizes. Oh, I, yeah. I know you've seen it, and in the freaking ice crystals, there was a fre- there was like two fresh prints that just stood out. And it is. I looked at that, and as soon as I saw what it was, you know, it just everything just stood up on the back of my neck. And my cousin looks at me, and he's like, "What is that?" I was like, "Dude, uh, yeah, we're going to come back later. <laughs> we're going to come back later." And I. I Okay, I got Carl looking at me like he's got something to say I, on this topic. I used to not be a believer. I'll be straight and up and honest, right? Until I was probably about 13 years old, I was out camping at Camp Sherman. Or not Camp Sherman, I was up in the Hochko Mountains. And we pulled in and we set up camp. And about 1.30 in the morning, it wasn't a cougar, it wasn't a bear, it wasn't something fighting with something. It was just this blood-curdling scream that just made you stand up. And this smell. And we heard these two... Um, these two thumps and then it was gone just gone and like that's when i was like oh boy i know yeah, what that- the ochicos uh, and certainly the cascades and uh, coastal ranges have uh, quite a bit of history on encounters so you you might have been on to something i'll have to tell you to be honest with you guys if, if i hadn't seen what i saw i'd still be a, a skeptic right but i can't again i can't unsee what i saw and I, I, I meant to follow up, you know, being a traditional guardsman back in those days, you know, we do one a drill once a month. And the very next drill in May, we had two other soldiers come forward and claim to have seen the same thing. Same number of mountains. Oh, uh, so, I mean, there's four eyewitnesses that independently saw them. That's nuts. Uh, so it makes it kind of a unique, uh, you know, not aside from the fact that we are blowing the shit out of their their home so and that's the one thing that kind of gets me about it too is that you know it's it's weird because you would think with the demo going off it would actually drive it would push them out like it would any other animal most animals it would and but and the fact that they you, actually came down it's almost like they were just they were being inquisitive yeah and that's well, the thing that kind of makes me go what 
To, well, to me, I'll, I'll give you a good analogy. To me, first of all, you, you hit a good point. The fact that they were inquisitive, that their curiosity was peaked enough to overpower the, the sense of fear that they must have felt when these explosions went off, that to me says intelligence. Oh, Second absolutely. of all, just as an analogy, let's say you're sitting on your porch at home and all of a sudden a jetliner falls from the sky and crashes in your neighborhood. I mean, a fireball erupts, you hear this explosion, initially you're in shock, but given 20, 30 minutes, I think any one of us would probably go race to the scene, you know, maybe out of morbid curiosity, maybe to see if you can help or whatever. But, right. you know, you're not just going to sit on your porch when your neighborhood's on fire. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I think that's kind of what happened was they, they were curious as to what the hell we were doing out there. And and that's what brought them out. And, and you're right. Any other animal would go 360 degrees away from that area. I mean 180. <laughs> I mean, well, 270 degrees anyway. I don't know. Right. Gonna, Either way, gonna, they go opposite gonna, direction to travel. Military left. They're, they're gonna they're gonna pop smoke <laughs> and get the hell out of there. Yeah, exactly. Hey, where uh, Todd? Where can we? Um, can any of our listeners uh, get involved at all? Is there any way that they? Uh, are there any groups or anything like that that meet up, perhaps, or, or anything like that that they could uh, get with in their local areas? Well, um, I would direct them to our website, which is AmericanPrimate.org. Which I just posted the link link to there. And uh, there's a lot of information there. The site's still under construction. We're kind of moving some stuff over from another site, combining two sites, actually. And uh, Or they can write to me directly, AmericanPrimate at AOL.com. Uh, yeah, I'm still one of those AOL guys. So You've um, got mail. but um yeah there's groups to get together in fact uh every year my wife and i put on a annual gathering of researchers in the coast range called beachfoot uh we've got a facebook page called you told me about beachfoot yeah we've had people from all over the world come to this it's a it's a private invitation only gathering of just researchers there are conferences done all over the country at any given time almost every Every month there's a conference somewhere. Um, often I'm asked to go speak at them, but these are open to the public. You know, people can pay admission and get in and listen to the speakers. But this is just, you know, I, I thought about this years ago in 2008. It was the first time we did it, and it was about just getting research together as kind of a retreat where they don't have to entertain an audience and where they can network. And, right. And get to know each other face to face and, and share information. And uh, this this year will be our eleventh uh, gathering, so it's uh, it goes on. But uh, yeah, but I would just suggest they try to reach out to to me through either Conservancy or my email, and I'll be happy to point them in the right direction. Uh, Got you. Uh, yeah, there's there's several conferences already scheduled for this year in in the Pacific Northwest. Nice. We'd be happy to point point them out. Awesome. So, all right, Todd. Well, while I got you on, before we go ahead and uh, break away or wrap this up, so I got a buddy of mine uh, on the line via Skype who actually would like to ask, who's probably got a couple questions himself to ask of you. So I'm going to welcome on my buddy Albert from Tinfoil Vets. So he is on with us on Skype right now. And so... Absolutely. 
Uh, tell you what. Oh, crap. Can you hear us okay there, Albert? Yeah, I can hear you. You got me? Uh, I have you on speaker, um, but so... not speaker. So I can on. hear him fine. You can hear him okay? Yep. Okay, well, I guess he can hear you just fine. Hi, Albert. Okay, uh, when you actually had the sighting, when they, when they came out into view, you said that they were they were in view for less than 30 seconds. Were, were they looking directly back at you, or were they looking at the area for the detonation of the charges? Well, they were all standing in line, if you will, um, shoulder to shoulder. They were facing the convoy. They were definitely watching us. And what was interesting about it was the one in the middle, which which stood a, shoulder, a full head up taller than the two on either side, and and I would estimate close to nine feet. That one stood there like a like a statue. It didn't move at all. But the two that flanked it on either side, left and right, were exhibiting this very unusual um, swaying motion, if you will. They were shifting weight from foot to foot, and in the process these incredibly long arms were swaying back and forth across in front of their, or I should say below their knees. Uh, they were just rocking back and forth the entire time uh, that, they, that they were watching us. You said it was not just yourself, but another soldier that you were with uh, that actually verified or asked you, did you see what I saw? Well, now, when I saw them, uh, I was the only person looking at them uh, from my vehicle it, it was after we had gotten down a few minutes later to the staging area and and uh, got out of our vehicles that i was approached by another soldier who confirmed to me that he had seen the same thing and like i said a couple months later or a month later excuse me at the next drill we had two other soldiers also come forward i don't know there there may have been more that had actually seen it but uh, that's four that we know of that did. Okay. And uh, just with the turn of your head, boom, they were gone. Well, it wasn't a turn of the head. It was a turn of the vehicle. I mean, we, we broke out into this open stretch of the road where the ravine fell away, and, and I had a clear view of the the quarry that they were standing in off in the distance. And, and about 25 seconds later, we rounded another corner, and I lost sight of them. But it was about a 25-second view. How long do you, well, I, I guess I, I would care to ask, was, was there some kind of cliff hangover, some kind of cavern, uh, you know, almost a cave that they might have been in that they came out of near that near that quarry area? No, and I've been up there numerous times since. Uh, I, I got actually got access. I got the master keys to the gates. Uh, at that time, it was owned by Cavanan Forest Products. And so I had... Uh, the ability to get behind those gates and go up into that area, which I did um, well, monthly. Every time we had drill, I was going up there after drill. And uh, it's just very deep. It, you know, the the coast range is a is a temperate rainforest. It's, it's considerably thicker than, say, the Cascades, which is an alpine forest. Uh, I, I never did see any sort of a, a, a den or a cave that they might have held up in, but, you know, these, uh, you know, the forest up there gives them plenty of cover, and, and I think they're they're pretty nomadic. I think they're on the move quite, you know, all the time. But, uh, no, that's, to answer your question, no, I didn't see any sort of a, a cave. 
Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm. I actually had worked down in uh, East Texas and Arkansas, and I heard you say something about the legend of Boggy Creek. That they, they did make a movie about that back in the '70s, and uh, I know that uh, there's supposedly been sightings down there. I've never experienced any myself, but uh, there's been a lot of perpetuation of the same thing down there. The town is actually called Falk, Falk, Arkansas. Right. And uh, that uh, they perpetuate that pretty heavily because of the moonshiners that uh, through the 50s, 60s, and 70s they were still producing a lot of moonshiner or moonshine and uh, the guys that would run the liquor up and down through those areas, that they would kind of do the whole hauntings and continue on the story, you know, just to keep people from wandering too far down the territory, you know, under, you know, uncovering your stills and finding out what was going on. I know that was part of the story, but... Well, uh, there's actually, there were, there were two, uh, there was a second, uh, movie made, uh, on the, uh, on the, uh, uh, Legend of Boggy Creek. There were actually two movies made. There was a follow-up. Uh, and uh, I know the guy that was involved in that, Smokey Crabtree, he's passed away since. But, but yeah, it. Uh, a lot of people uh, believe that happened down there, and I wouldn't be surprised. Now, one of the, uh, the documented occurrences was with, uh, it's outside of Falk, uh, one of the county roads down there off of Highway 71 is a guy that actually you do get back in those Arkansas swamps and he had a uh, photograph at the time he had a prize pig and he had a big old prize breeder that uh, weighed about 400 pounds that's and, a big breeder <laughs> yeah, yeah big old yeah, that was uh, a big Duroc pig and if I if if I remember right, I just think if, if I remember, I think I was reading that it was a Duroc, it was a big breeding, big breeding sow. Gotcha. And uh, three to four hundred pound pig. Anyway, uh, one of the things that had occurred is he said that he had stepped out of the cab or his house and he saw a large hairy figure lifting that pig up by the hind leg with one arm. And uh, that the he ended up filing a re- report with the uh, local sheriff's department that somebody stole the pig, <laughs> <laughs> and they thought it was nuts when they told it it was somebody who lifted it up out of the pen. But none of the wire on the pen was tore up. The pig was missing. There's no hog track outside the pen. It actually showed where it ran away. And the only thing that they did is, I guess, uh, a few days later, they actually took some plastic cats of uh, some gigantic footprints. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know. I don't know how much you've actually done you know, research down in that area. Just kind of curious to me. I read about it, and uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I haven't done any research in Arkansas. Most of my time in Arkansas has been at uh, at Peck, so... Yeah, same place I'm going to be uh, broadcasting that here, uh, what, here in two weeks, three weeks? Yeah, three weeks. So I'll be I'll be down at Peck. <clears throat> so I got a school down there, so I'll be down there playing with the boys down in Arkansas. So 
Well, bring your fishing pole. Yeah, it's right here. So that's where I'm going to be up with uh, my buddy uh, Dakota. So he's going to be making a trip down from Missouri, come pay me a visit. And we're going to hang out, and he's going to show me around down there those parts. So who knows? I may, uh, depending on where you're at, Albert, I may come up and wind up knocking on your door or something. I might have to uh, go and harass uh, harass Chris or something for a night. So, But anyhow, all right, guys. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. So, Mr. Neese, again, we appreciate you coming on, Todd. And to our buddy Albert over there from Tinfoil Vets, thank you for making an appearance on the show this evening. We do appreciate you guys. So, with that being said, uh, again, thank you to our sponsors over there at Threatcom 5 Clothing. Uh, our host network here at VRS and our sponsors over at Warrior Point, Warrior Point with an E.org. So, thank you to those guys. On behalf of myself, Jada, and my co host, Carl. Yep. And our producer, Josh, the high tech redneck. Yeah, buddy. So, want to thank you guys for coming on and we will talk at you all here next week. Yes, thank you very much, guys. All right. Thank you. So, have a good night, guys. We'll talk at you all later. This has been another episode of BB Nation Radio right here on VRS.